Welcome to the 360 Recruiting Podcast, a podcast for OU recruitments, presented by Sooners360.com. Each and every week, we catch you up on the latest in OU recruiting, including offers, evaluations, schedules, opinions, and more. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. Welcome, everybody, to this week's edition of the 360 Recruiting Podcast. We've already come at you this week with some hot takes uh, in our roundtable from yesterday, but today we are getting into the nitty-gritty of recruiting. I'm Matt with Sooners 360. I'm joined by Chris Mason, our lead recruiting analyst over at Sooners 360, and Caleb Cummings, a.k.a. Mr. Sooner 55, our film guru breaking down these recruits we'll be talking about today. Uh, before we get to the show, just a quick reminder, subscribe to the show on your favorite platform of choice, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, etc. We are on all of them and soon to be on YouTube. Today, episode number 27, we're calling this one Emmett Jones, a Superfly TNT wide receiver recruiter. Makes a lot of sense after the big pickup of Zion Kearney today. Chris, what else is going on and what led Zion to commit to OU? Well, as always, we're going to lead with commits because that's the biggest news and we'll lead with the the biggest commit of the week. Uh, Zion Kearney, the six foot three, 195 pound wide receiver from the Houston area. He is a top 75 player in the nation. Uh, had over 20 yards a catch last season. And his highlight reel is is pretty damn impressive. But we'll let Caleb dig deeper on that in our, in our next segment. He'd been really interested in OU. He's had really good junior day visits for to the Sooners. But really, I think from a recruiting standpoint, Emmett Jones, OU was like at a decent level with him. And then Emmett Jones being hired and taking over his recruiting just vaulted OU up. Uh, Jones had been recruiting Kearney for at least two years. So the, it's all about relationships in recruiting sometimes. It's, and Emmett Jones had that great relationship with Zion. He was at the spring game. And I think just being around uh, OU and all the environment, uh, he was very interested in the soul mission. Uh, and I think that just put OU over the top and gave Emmett Jones his first big win uh, in high in high school uh, recruiting for the for the Sooners. And then going from there, um, we have two more high school commitments that have occurred uh, around the spring game. The first one was Isaiah Autry on Friday night before the spring game. Big offensive tackle from Mississippi, 6'7", 6'6", 280, huge frame, big athlete, uh, really kind of a prototype guy that Bill Beatenbaugh working with uh, Jerry Schmidt will be able to turn into, you know, like a 6'6", 310-pound uh, bookend tackle, athletic, powerful. He's got a little bit of a mean streak in him. He's got some work to do. I don't think he's as, you know, as highly rated as some of the other tackles OU's attacking, but he's a four-star on rivals already. He's a five-point, got a 5.8 ranking. So really like him as a pickup. I, you know, I think Bill wants five big guys and he's, he certainly fits that bill. And then, oh, you kind of got a surprise commitment. I think everyone felt like 
this player was leaning to OU, but the him pulling the trigger spring game weekend uh, kind of, I think, surprised some folks. And that's Jaden Hardy. He is the Louisville, Texas safety. He's about 5'11", 6 foot, 175, 180 pounds, really good cover safety, pretty physical in the run game, would be a nice third safety complement to some of the other guys that OU has been signing. It would be very easy to see him in the in the backfield with Peyton Bowen or uh, uh, the younger McCullough brother, uh, Day McCullough is one safety, Bowen is another, and then uh, and then Hardy in that group. That would be that makes that's an easy that's an easy kind of fit. Uh, he's from Louisville area. OU wants to kind of dominate. He chose OU over Tennessee, Texas A and M, and LSU. So he's got big time offers. He's a top one hundred and fifty player, four star. Just a great win for Jay Valai and uh, and Coach Hall in adding another safety to the mix. And then the final commit that's occurred is back to the portal. The portal adding back to the OU roster again. OU taking Brennan Thompson from Texas. A very strange UT to OU transition that's barely occurred ever. No players really transfer from one, one or the other. Um, so it's, uh, it's interesting. We've had an OSU transfer to OU and now a UT transfer to OU. It seems a little bit like it's, you know, it's like Bill Murray from Ghostbusters. It's raining cats and dogs. It's chaos everywhere. But, um, we've had those recruiting, uh, we've had those, those portal transfers occur. Brennan is a speed guy. I'm going to let Caleb give you all the background on him, but he is about 5'10", 180 pounds and, Speed, 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 speed. So it's an interesting transfer. There's a massive reward potential from him, but he hasn't done a lot uh, from a pro- productivity standpoint. So that's kind of what's the, the news from recruiting. So the recent three verbals that OU just got has taken OU uh, out of sort of the 40, 50 team ranking area. Cause they only had, you know, only had two verbals. It's kind of hard to be ranked when you've only got two. So now they've got five. Um, sorry, they got six, six verbals. Cause of, I, I forgot KJ Daniels. So now they got six verbals and three of them and two of them are highly rated. So OU's now ranked 20th on rivals with five, four star players and one three star player rivals has, um, KJ Daniels as a 5.73 star, which I think is a, that's an appropriate rating for him right now. I think that's fine. And then the OU's 23rd on the 247 composite rankings with four, four stars and two, three stars. And on the composite rankings, OU, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's Daniels again. And Isaiah Autry is, you know, around is a high, high three star on the, on the composite. I think there's a good chance he could, he could be a low four star by the time everything works out just because of his offer list and, and everything else going on. So that's where we are on the class rankings. It's nice that OU's moved up there. Uh, if OU gets a couple more commits, I think they'll be firmly in the top 20 and keep moving, keep moving higher. In terms of recent OU crystal ball type action, there's been a lot of lot of action. If we were in Vegas, I would say a lot of money on OU getting Joseph Jonah uh, Ayanji, 
the big defensive end from Conroe, Texas, who was at the spring game, part of that classic photo I'm going to talk about in a little bit, where he, he he's there with other elite defensive linemen. Uh, and then also a lot of action on Bryant Wesco, uh, another Emmett Jones target, five-star wide receiver. So there's a lot of noise that maybe he's going to fall quickly and, and Emmett Jones can almost go into retirement for the 2024 20, uh, class and move on to 25 because he may be done with his job. So it's, it's interesting there in terms of, you know, OU, that's JJA, I think is going to, he wants to commit August 1st. That's what he's been telling folks. But I think there's a possibility that that could change and he could just, he could pull the trigger at some time. He seems very into OU, very connected with Brent Venables. And if something fell with those two guys who are both super highly rated, Bryant's a five-star. I think JJA is trending towards a five-star. You know, OU could have eight commits and, and jump probably pretty close to like number 12 or 13 in the nation. So I was going to say that the, the thing that sticks out to me with JJA is like, okay, it does look like Oklahoma is in by far like the driver's seat, right? You do start to wonder if August one date, and we've got all these, all these visits lining up in June. And we know that's just how kind of the recruiting calendar goes. Now kids go to junior days during you know, uh, and this, all these the unofficials during the spring yeah. and they try to in post spring, as you get into May, June, July, they knock out their official visits and, and they want to be committed before the season starts. You, you know, when you start looking at like where Oklahoma is at with a number of these defensive ends, right. Uh, whether it's Wyatt Gilmore, Nawari, there's just a bunch of guys, uh, right. I mean, there, there's just like a number of guys. Oklahoma is, is really high up on, I do. I wonder the same thing. I, I I don't think for a second Oklahoma would tell him, hey, we're not going to take you. But as we see this at a lot of positions this year, it's it very different than last year. I feel like there's, I don't want to say a risk with a kid that talented, but there is a little bit, right? Like don't run this out so far that some other kids jump in and take your spot. And then we're left trying to figure out how do we make this work? We want you, but we've got to try to find a way to make it work. Uh, so I think that's something to to watch with him because it does feel when it came out post spring that it was going to be August one. I was surprised if you'd have told me May one, I'd have been like, okay, that's what I would have expected. Yeah, I think I think the when he's the, he's supposed to visit uh, in mid June. We'll get to that a little bit later because I think it's pretty much scheduled. He, I mean, when he's around all those guys and everyone's starting to make talk about making decisions and all that, I could just see him getting wrapped up in that environment wrapped up with, you know, sitting down with Brent for an hour in his office, those guys just really talking and connecting. I could see him deciding, yeah, I'm done. There's, I, I'm, let me get a, let me get in. I don't, I don't need an edit. Let me just call one of the recruiting guys and I'm, I'm done with it. You know what? The thing that jumps out to me, I agree completely on that is it just gives me that he reminds me of PJ at a bull ray last year where yeah. Oklahoma led, he had, I think a commitment date set out, you know, kind of rumored, like it's going to be right before school starts. And then, you know, he just committed OU kind of out of nowhere and you see the interview and he was like, well, he knew this is where I want to go. I know I'm going to go here. And I think it was Chavis or, or Venables had that conversation with him. Like, if you know, why are you waiting? And it was yeah, like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he was supposed to like, he took a visit to Northwest and I think his family was like, 
you have to visit Northwestern because your brother <laughs> went to Northwestern. And he was like, okay, mom, I'll go to Northwestern. He went to Northwestern and he came back. He's like, set a commit date like 10 days after that. And, yeah. and it was like, everyone's like, oh, he's going to go to, he's going to go to Missouri or Georgia. We're like, no, no, he's not. He's, he's, he's done with recruiting. He's just, this is, this, this thing's been over for months. He's just going through this process because, you know, it, it was that he just, he was parents wanted to go through, wanted to go through the process. So, um, yeah. but yeah, there's lots of action on him and lots of action on Bryant Wesco. Again, if, if Emmett Jones gets Bryant Wesco in the next couple of weeks, I mean, it's, it's maybe the best debut by a new sooner skill position recruiting coach in, I can't think when, I mean, it usually, I mean, it just take, I mean, uh, you know, this is, and it's, it's up there with, you know, it's up there with Kale. It's, it's up there with the five-star three that Dennis Simmons sort of pulled in that never quite turned out. But oh, I think it's, yeah. It would, it would from be. a recruiting, recruiting standpoint, it's, it's, it'll be similar to that, but for a first year coach to do it, I mean, Dennis Simmons was in like year three or four, if I recall, because that was the 2019 group, 19 right? 19 group. Yeah, 19. Oh, yeah. 19 or 20. So for him to pull that in year one, uh, it, it should set off some red flags for the the Big 12 should be happy we're moving to the SEC. That's all I have to say. If Dennis, if Emmett Jones is going to continue recruiting like this and and 25 looks just stacked too. So 25 looks insane because you've got an in-state five-star. You know, well, you got, you got a couple. Yeah. It's, 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 it's crazy, but, but Matt, that's, that's kind of the, that's the positive OU news as with, you know, as with all things, there's the light and then there's the, must be the dark. So the not so great OU news from the last week, I think the first one's really pretty understandable is, is Michael Van Buren has dropped OU. He has a final three that doesn't have OU. He didn't come to the spring game. I kind of told our podcast listeners, I didn't think he was going to come. So he pulled the trigger on that. He's probably, it's a toss up between Oregon and Penn state where he heads. I think, I think Maryland's kind of in there as a, as a uh, courtesy that Maryland football still counts, but I think he's probably ending up at, uh, well, I mean, he's ending up at, I think he's ending up at Oregon or Penn state, depending upon uh, his final choice. Crab cakes and football. That's what Maryland does. Yep. And then we got a weird Caden Durham to LSU uh, crystal ball by Wilt Fong right after he was at OU for the spring game and hanging out with OU and posting all this OU stuff. So I would tell our listeners that Wilt Fong crystal balls fall in two, two categories. One, he is tipped off by the kid that a commitment's about to happen and he puts it in, which is sort of what happened with Peyton Pierce and James Peoples. Or two, he thinks the kid is heading that direction. And it's a crystal ball he may change three or four times more before the kid actually announces. So for Caden Durham, I don't know which one of these it is. I lean to the second more than the first. We're endeavoring to get some insider information on Caden Durham for you guys. But where it stands right now, I think it's probably 50-50 OU, LSU. And, and we'll kind of see how things break out there. And then the last kind of tea leaves from Mr. Wilt Fong is he thinks Tennessee lead might have a lead uh, on Williams Winery, the elite five-star defensive end from Missouri. Now Williams just came from a visit there. He hasn't been to OU for a little while because he's making his trips. He's doing the trips around 
as Caleb said, Williams Ranieri is like on the classic recruiting schedule. Unofficials in the spring, officials in the summer, and then he's going to decide in August where he's going if he waits that long. So OU will have their chance to get him back on campus, emphasize all those relationship advantages they have, and the fact he's been at OU more than anywhere else. So sometimes, you know, we say football is, you know, recruiting is as simple as two and two equals four. And this might be one of those cases where, you know, it's, he, he just went to Tennessee recently. So he's, he's got some nice things about say to say about Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I um, listened to, to Will Fong's thing and it didn't, it was, uh, it's a lukewarm, it's a lukewarm yeah, lead to, to, yeah, to say that they led, it was kind of like, well, he just got back from there. I might give them the lead type thing. Like I might give them a slight lead, you know, and it's somewhat, I'll be interested because I think we do know all of the guys that played with Josh Heupel love Josh Heupel uh, and, and Jamar Mosey is his coach. Uh, there at, in high school, and and he went with him on that trip. So I'm sure that was you know, but you know, again, same time, half that damn team works at OU in some form or another, right? As an analyst in different roles, and, and, there, Ven- so. and Venables is is much tighter in that whole KC community. Oh, absolutely. So it's it's not really not an apples to apples, but yeah, I think it it, it it'll work out all right there. But Matt, the 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 big thing is the spring game visitor list was was insane for both 24 and 25 it was it was a home run in sort of every way possible in terms of the kids they managed to get on campus so for just an example on the on the 24 list you know you had Nigel Smith David Stone JJA Wyatt Gilmore and Kellen Lindstrom we're all on campus. And of course, it's that great photo of Bates, um, Smith, JJA, and Stone hanging out together, just basically teasing OU fans about their D-line dreams. And then at wide receiver, you had Kearney and Wesco and Daniel. So they were all on campus hanging out. Plus, OU also had uh, Nick Marsh from Detroit was supposed to come in. I believe he was. We're trying to track down confirmation of that. And then OU got a couple of O-line guys. They got Casey Poe back on campus, which is a huge piece. They had Wyatt Sexton, uh, sorry, Garrett Sexton, who ended up choosing Penn State, was on campus. OU missed missed out there. But there was just a lot of kids who came back and saw OU again, especially late January visitors who hit that junior day. They seemed to all come back for the OU spring game, which was a nice, nice tying all that up. 25 was huge. Grayson Harris was on campus. He's committing in like the next seven days. Everything points to OU. He's a 5'9", 170-pound, just rocket, make guys miss, can't tackle him in a phone booth, kind of elite slot receiver kind of guy. And then the number one rated wide receiver, five-star player, DeCorian Moore, was on campus. So Emmett Jones' cup runneth over in terms of uh, access to top recruits during the spring game. And then, oh, you good. Uh, then I was nice, happy to see Nate Roberts, the 24, uh, the 25 tight end from Washington, Oklahoma. He was at the spring game, which is nice because his brother's at Baylor. So I'm getting a little worried about Baylor trying to do a double brother connection there. And then the uh, Kansas tight end, uh, Dasan Brom, who's been ranked in the top 250 in the country, was also on campus. And he's a big kid. He's like 6'5", 2'10", 
225 right now and you just have a picture of him being you know 6'5 250 and just rumbling over the field so and then two o-line offers uh both from the dallas area michael fanusi was back on campus again he's from lewisville where Jaden hardy's just from their teammates and he's fantastic and then they offered ty harwood from denton and he's also a big athletic looking power forward offensive lineman looking kid so OU just had a lot of good 25 players. And then two names we're going to talk about a little bit more. Two portal O-line kids, Troy Everett from App State, the offensive center. And then a kind of a little bit of a surprise, got to give credit to the TFP football Brainiacs guys. They had the scoop on this. Josh Simmons from San Diego State uh, was on campus. And uh, Caleb's going to give us a little more of an insight on him because that's kind of one of those guys Caleb wished we had signed a couple of years ago to spoil a little bit of his lead so so matt that's that's all the recruiting news that is fit to print uh so i think we're probably ready to to start talking about our verbal commitments a little bit all right chris that's a lot of good names uh some familiar a couple new names so head on over to sooners360.com we'll have some breakdowns on these guys now we'll bring in caleb to break down a little bit more of the verbals that OU has gotten in the last week or so. It's been a lot of activity out there. Chris just went over everybody. We had Thompson from the portal, Autry, Hardy, and Kearney added to the 24 class. Caleb, you were a big proponent of Kearney already. Um, who's your favorite newest commit? Oh, it's Kearney. Kearney I figured a, that was your answer. By a mile. he's. I, I think I put this on the board. I really wholeheartedly in you know if you take the junior film of the the five-star trio oklahoma signed and then you line those four kids up and you take a look at them there's one that does not look like the other three and it's Kearney. he's six two and some change he's 200 pounds just you know pretty rocked up uh but he's and it's the thing you get when you really watch him is just watching him strike the ground, just how powerful he is. Like he's just a really explosive, powerful athlete. That I think, I, you know, you look at his track times, he, he run 10, eight, nine in the hundred meter this year as a junior. And he, it's like the first time he's ever gone out and ran track. Like he's never run the hundred meter before. And so the first time he, he does, he shows up to a six, eight meet and runs sub 10, nine. He's just, you know, he's that type of guy. I think he is an ideal fit for, you know, one of those outside receiver spots in the offense because of how he can run vertically. Uh, you know, within, you know, he's not just a, he's not a long, lanky strider that struggles to, you know, accelerate, decelerate, uh, you know, and with agility. Cause you know, when you watch his film, he's, he's catching a lot of the, yeah, you know, a lot of the same stuff, you know, curls and comeback routes, quick, you know, just quick bubbles and he's breaking tackles and outrunning folks. He's returning kicks for touchdowns. He, he's just, uh, you know, I particularly given his size, his physical development, uh, and that's one of those things, and it's really impressive when you look at him on the hoof. I, I'd be pretty surprised if he didn't come in next year and immediately jump into the rotation because there's not, you know, maybe uh, maybe Anderson, you know, maybe Nick Anderson would be the one guy you would say, hey, you know, you're in that neighborhood of being as, you know, as physically uh, gifted 
as he is. He's he's just a you know kind of that prototypical as we're watching the NFL draft, you know, and it's everybody loves height, weight, speed guys, and you know you get him one on one in space, and he can bully smaller DBs, run by the bigger uh, DBs, uh, compete with them in you know one on one jump balls. Yeah, he's he's he was my favorite receiver of all the guys Oklahoma had offered in this class. You know, he, the thing to me is he just he makes everything look really easy. He's very, he's so he's so he's, smooth. He's just he's not awkward. Mm-hmm. He looks he looks like he 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 looks like a smaller wide receiver. Like you know, like you're used to seeing smaller wide receivers move that quickly, that efficiently. Be interested to see Barry. I was, I was thinking get a, get a Barry exact. opinion in terms of how efficient he he just looks. Is the the comp that I made on our message board is. And it's a comp I don't use lightly is Malcolm Kelly. You know, you think about like 07, 06, Malcolm Kelly and just how dominant he was as a big wide receiver for OU. Yeah. That's a, that's a little bit of the comp. I think Tierney may have a little more high end speed, but you know, Malcolm Kelly just made the difficult look easy. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think Tierney has a little bit of that gene too, which our other, you know, not to, not to make, not be throwing any, any more stones at everybody, but our big receivers right now are making the, the easy look difficult. So it's, yeah. it, it's, it's nice to get a big receiver in who, who, who is just a, who's like, now nah, that, that's, that's easy. I, I know how to, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to make a, you know, a, a dog's dinner out of that. I'm, I'm going to catch that ball. Yeah. No, um, I, I agree completely. That's one so. of the things I, I, it stuck, sticks out to me when you watch him, you nailed it. Right. It's almost, I, think one of the way things I wrote down is it just does not feel like there's any wasted, but you think you use the word inefficient, like there's no inefficient movement in just how, you know, how his body moves, got great body control. It's just, everything is, you know, all the energy he expends, it's very powerful and it's very to the point of what he's trying to accomplish. And your, your comp on Malcolm Kelly, I do think that Kearney's he's faster, but I go back to, and this is where I see, you know, the, that slant, you know, and the post routes are a big part of the offense. And I can just think back to when Oklahoma would, I think it was Miami and, and Sam yeah, throws yeah. a slant to Malcolm, you know, and he catches it and Miami DB hits him and just melts off of him as he just, you know, he just runs through him. And that's the kind of stuff I think he can do for you in those types of routes. If it's one-on-one with a, you know, five foot 11, 180 pound defensive back, it's, you know, a kid's going to be trying to, it's his goal is hold on, wait for help. So, and as, as Chris discussed earlier, Kearney's not the only wide receiver to commit to OU uh, this week. Brennan Thompson, the transfer from Texas, joins Kearney in that wide receiver room for Emmett Jones. Caleb, how, how does Thompson kind of fit in that room with Kearney as sort of what you've been talking about in recent pods uh, kind of fits a different type of, of wide receiver that it looks like Emmett Jones and Lebby are going after. So how does Thompson fit in there with Kearney? And Thompson does have three years to play. So uh, they're, they're going to be in that room together. Yeah, I think he compliments him really well. Uh, you know, I think they can do some of the, the same things just in terms of, uh, you know, the convert being a vertical threat taking a top off a of defense and doing that, those types of things. But yeah, it, you know, on the other end of that, Again, talk a lot about some of the the spacing concepts and, and things they do with trying to get a guy deep and and create a lot of space underneath. That that's what you want for a guy like Thompson, who's 
I think he posted online uh, on Twitter that his best was, was it 10, one, eight, you know, or 10, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it, I think he's saying right now he runs sub 10, two, he was a 10, two guy in high school. So that, that probably makes sense. And it, yeah, it's, it's ideal in that regard, right? It, the ability to, you know, you've got a big physical alpha, you know, guy on the outside that can, you, you're getting safeties rolling to him. They're going to try to bracket him. They're going to try to do what they can. And so then you're able to get a, you know, a, a 10, one, five, uh, you know, 10, one, eight speedster one-on-one with your third defensive back or a safety. Uh, and again, I think it's one of, again, one of those kind of different things with Levy's offense where a lot of offenses, when they get that slot matchup, they'll, We'll try to get a, a quick move and wiggle him and, and get him loose and, and get the ball to him quick and let him work in space. A lot of what Levy likes to do is if if you get that matchup, he wants to you know get a move on you and get vertical and run by you and try to score a touchdown. And uh, again, I think that's another thing that fits what Thompson does. You know, is he? I heard uh, Teddy uh, Layman talk about this, and I he's one hundred percent right. Of course, is. You know, you watched last year, Oklahoma really struggled as a unit to, uh, to you know, to get separation from defensive backs, particularly late in games. I think his team's kind of come out, they got a bit of a, a feeling out point with them, learn how Oklahoma's going to go about the run game. They just started to, Oklahoma State game sticks out uh, and some others, right? They just started saying, okay, we're going to get in some pretty basic, you know, cover cover one, cover zero, cover three, and we're just going to go one-on-one with you on the outside because you can't beat us one-on-one. You can't separate. And uh, and, it, and they couldn't, you know, uh, and oftentimes they could. We had some, they had some drops. So that's where, you know, a guy like Thompson, you, you don't, you don't want to do that. Uh, even if you think, hey, you know, he's, he's a one-trick pony, you know, that one trick's pretty elite, you know, at, at you know, in terms of uh, deep speed. So it's it's a boost. I said this on the board. I don't know if he will contribute this year, but I would not be surprised. And I kind of I go to this. Every I think one of the things you see with Gavin Freeman that has made him uh, excel, and you know has helped him separate from some of the other guys in that room, is it is it's his it's it's not his size, right? It's not you know what he's doing in that regard. It's his quickness, its acceleration, and his speed. And so, uh, you know, Thompson brings even a lot, quite a bit more of it than than Gavin. So, I uh, think having having those two guys again, just they Oklahoma's receiver room needs more speed. And I think um, if you go back and look at his high school footage, which I did, I think Lebby will also try and creatively try and get him get him the ball in space, some end arounds, some. I can see him being used and just some other some other action to just get his speed on the field. Um, it was it was pretty clear Spearman. Dead, you know, moved him all over the place to get him the ball. And I think Lebby will do that. And I like the combination now of Andrell Anthony, Jaquez Petaway, our wide receiver, Crush arriving in June, and now Brandon Thompson arriving in June. That is three legit sub 4-4 wide receivers that OU can can put on the field, mix and match, and 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 just always make sure there's speed on the field. Chris, I'm going to keep you on before we get back to Caleb on the other two commits. With Kearney in this class, we have Daniels in this class and then Brennan Thompson coming in in the portal. What does this mean for the rest of the wide receiver recruiting for this class? 
Well, it means that if Emmett Jones can land Bryant Wesco, he legitimately can just call it a day and move to 2025. And he would, I mean, it'd be just, it would be a fantastic group when you've got Daniels, who's a little bit of that speed, smaller guy, you know, Caleb, I think correctly a couple of weeks ago, identified what they were looking for. Right. And we've seen it with Brennan Thompson. We see it with KJ Daniels, smaller, faster guys who are able to break the top can be, get them in space, make them, make them, give them run after catch opportunities and then bigger receivers who are able to to dominate cornerbacks and and work the entire field? So I think uh, I think wide receiver recruiting is it's going to be if they get Wesco uh, as well. It, it could be the number. I mean, in terms of position groups, the only position group that might be rated higher is going to be D line if they pull off the five stars that we're talking about. So we're talking D line number one, and then wide receiver with Emmett Jones because Wesco and Kearney when you and if if KJ Daniels is your third wide receiver that's a that's a problem for a secondary um we we will go a little more in Wesco hopefully when he verbals to you we'll see but I mean Wesco is a Wesco's a an Ohio State top 10 type wide receiver kid so if OU pulls that off uh you know, if I'm Emmett Jones, I'm, you know, I'm like, I'm going to keep working. Give me a four scholarship of those 25s. Go, go give me a fourth. And he could pull in another top 50, top 75 kid as well. So, but in terms of we need three wide receivers, he will have fulfilled his task. And I just don't see him sitting on his laurels. And I, I, I can see, you know, I can see guys reaching out and, and I can see him saying, I got another, I got another blue chip stud on the, on the hook. You know, you other guys need to clear some space for me. So uh, I think wide receiver recruiting, just like what DM, DMM has done a running back recruiting, which we all saw in the spring game. Uh, if in two years, Emmett Jones could have OU at a, at a, you know, sucking on the hopium, the Emmett Jones hopium right now, he could have OU in a very elite place in terms of where running, where wide receiver recruiting is both production and recruiting. And if you're a, a member of our board, you've known for months that we have predicted Wesco to OU. So it's it's likely that that class is is pretty close to wrapping up. But like you said, there there could be a fourth coming. Uh, we're waiting on some NCAA rulings. You know, they change stuff on the fly too. Might have more than twenty five ships to work with. But two of those other scholarships have been taken by. Isaiah Autry, offensive tackle out of Mississippi, and Jaden Hardy, safety out of Louisville. Uh, Caleb, I know you've been itching to talk about Isaiah Autry uh, all show. I'll let you dive right into uh, the is technically related to OU legacy. Um, Marcus second, Dupree, second cousin of Marcus Dupree. There you go. <laughs> and, um, and Marcus considers himself. It's nice that Marcus is so O pro OU because. You know, things didn't didn't I'm quite sure it work helps. out. Did well, but they didn't work out for him at OU. It's like, you know, Mike Hawkins is so pro OU and Marcus Dupree is so OU. It just kind of shows a little bit of the the hooks OU gets into guys. Well, you know, I think. Tell me if I'm wrong here. I think the story on that is I, I don't know that he had much of a relationship with Oklahoma until the thirty for thirty, the best that never was. And post that, you know, and, and social if, media if, exists, if, then it was and like, it repaired. It repaired everything. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, that's I think possibility. It, I, I think, think that's it, possible. 
I think it both repaired it and then it just brought it to so many people's, you know, like attention. And it was like, gosh, you know, I, yeah, I always loved that guy. Like, you know, and I, I can remember right after that, you know, I think in that 30 for 30, he was driving trucks. And then right after that, you see him like he's in Oklahoma and he's, he's signing autographs. Uh, so that was, and I'm sure coach Switzer had a lot to do with that. that that's, that is awesome. Uh, but no, I, I do. Autry is one of the guys that I'm, I'm super interested in. Because I, I tell me if I'm wrong on this, uh, Chris. You, he, you said he's a power lifter. Is that right? That's what that's what the articles say. Yes. Okay. Okay. No, I mean, again, he he kind of he starts to fit more of that mold. I think of what you see for. You have something there, Chris. I was going to say, Caden. Your other. I'm just uh, throwing other information. Caden Massey just won a powerlifting tournament too. Oh, I love Caden Massey. I, I would I would tell you the 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 kid the offensive tackle. This is a good example of why I like these guys. So, you know, if you're two, I think in in Austria is listed anywhere from two sixty five to two seventy five. Uh, you know, so maybe maybe two. He, he's somewhere in that range, six six, and then again he's listed from six six to six seven. So, but somewhere in that range, you know, there was the the offensive tackle uh, out of Cherry Creek. Colorado last year that Oklahoma went really hard at. He ended up signing with with Ohio State, and I'm just and he was same thing. I, I'll pull this kid's name up real quick because uh, I do not remember it. But I was looking at Ohio State had an offensive lineman that hit the portal, and so you know Bill Beatonbow is is kind of kicking the tires on him. So I said, oh, okay, taking a look at at just Ohio State uh, in general and and what they're spring held an offensive line why is this kid transferring could he possibly be a be a guy and let me get you the name uh george fitzpatrick right out of out of he was 6'6 265 he's he's going to be ohio state starting left tackle this year he's right now coming really? out of the spring yeah right right now wow, he's, okay he's 6'6 305 and, and and that's why and he is a very pretty looking 305 because that's just what these guys tend to do. You know, when you're 6'6", 265 as a junior, just naturally by eating, growing, turning 17 and then turning 18 and working with Jerry Schmidt, you end up just putting on, you know, 30 pounds of usually really good weight. And they just continue to, I think, have a bit better body control, a bit better agility, a bit better core strength. And the game has changed from a, you know, let's try to pack everything in with two tight ends and a full back and just maul you to where with all of the, whether it's inside zone or outside zone, everybody, everybody, even your offensive linemen have got to be athletes that can play in space to some regard. I mean, office linemen still play in a phone booth, but when you're running like a wide zone, you know, you're that, you're that tackle half the time, you're going to be working up to a linebacker, you know, and, and having to go chase the guy that's nowadays, you know, six, one, six, two, 225, 235 pounds that, that runs four five. So having really long athletes, uh, at those positions, I think is what you want. And, and Isaiah Autry's that guy. I think he's he does have a lot of growth left in front of him. He he, go, he goes to a fairly small high school in Mississippi, uh, you know. But all the stuff you'd look for, you know, you you see there, right? Good. All, solid all the things you can't coach, right? Absolutely. Like, yeah, you can't coach six six two sixty five and can run and chew bubble gum at the same time. Like that's I, I, uh, Mike Leach had a great quote about that. And we talked about the difference between, I think it was Oklahoma and Texas at the time and 
in Texas Tech. You know, and he said, I can go to the mall and I, I can find you, you know, 100 kids that are five foot 10 and 180 pounds and can run. I, you can't go to the mall and you can't find one that is six foot six, you know, 300 athletic and can chew bubble gum and walk at the same time. And so, you know, he, he, he's, he's, he just fits that. You know, I think getting him under Bill and under Schmitty especially and just continue to add strength, continue to add technique, because, again, it is it is a small high school. He's got uh, all the upside and, you know, and it's, everything's in front of him. It's great. He was at the spring game and he posted all of these photos. He met like bars. He was he was like taking photos with all of the he met all the offensive linemen. I mean, he was again, it's just beautiful that Creed Humphrey was was there that day talking to all our O-line recruits, you know, cause they all know who he is. He's, he's the best center in the NFL. His next contract is going to, is going to make his family just generational money. Oh, he's in a unique place, you know, because, you know, the best left tackle in the NFL is Trent Williams. The best right tackle in the NFL is Lane Johnson. The best center in the NFL is Creed. And Lane has, I can't think of the name of it, uh, but he started this like offensive line, like, you know, off season group, you know? Yeah. Like, all, like Jerry Rice used to do with receivers. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's yeah, a ton of traction. All these top guys want to go to it. So yeah, Lane is Lane has turned into a really unique guy uh, and having what looks like a hall of fame career. So I think all that just pays, pays dividends. Yeah. So it's just, I mean, all those O-line guys were there, Trent, Lane, Creed, Orlando, Orlando. It was, yeah. it's just, you know, Bill's posting today for the draft, the $325 million O-line roster. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think Autry's the first and, and Bill is, um, like I said, I'm, I'm more, the, I'm, I'm really convinced that Bill was being held back by the previous regime that we're, we're seeing the real Bill recruiting right now. He's, got his hooks and great kids. They all look good uh, in terms of just big body guys. And Autry, he's, there's a mean streak there. He hits some kids and, you know, it's a little, little, it's close to the whistle, but he, he has, he has that streak. These guys all kind of, they're, they have different skills and abilities, but they all kind of, you know, all these guys that we've been talking about for the last five or six podcasts and Caleb has been reviewing, especially when we did the O-line group. I mean, they all fit kind of a mold. They are. You know, that, that you nailed that, like, that is something that you could talk, we could talk on this forever. Even like, you know, if we switch over to like Jaden Hardy, uh, I would say really good size, six foot, 170 pounds long. Uh, but you can watch one film. He's not a four, four guy, right. He's probably four five, five. Uh, but man, the thing that sticks out about that guy, like you can tell he's got a really high football IQ. I mean, are like we seeing, he, are we seeing safety Josiah Wagner? Is that, is that yeah. what you saying? The safety version of Josiah Wagner? Maybe? That's really, that's a really, that's, that's actually a fantastic comp. Like that's, I hadn't thought about that, but yeah. I mean, you see him out there. He is directing almost the entire defense from his safety spot. He's jumping routes. He's, he knows everything that's going on. They're trying to get a quick kick on him and he sprints back and fields the punt. Like it, it, he just, I mean, he's football, a football, football ID through the floor, right? I mean, just yeah. through, just. Like, yeah. There was that, there was that, I can't remember this past week. It's somewhere on social media where Brett said, you know, we're looking for guys that love the game of football. 
Like not that just we love what gives them, but truly just love the game of football and everything that goes into it. Like that's what like Jaden Hardy looks like to me. Like, I don't mean to say that he's not because, you know, you're six foot 175 pounds and he's really well built a fantastic ball skills. Right. Uh, and again, amazing football IQ. I don't say all of that to say he's not a good athlete. It's just his level of athleticism to me is overshadowed by just how good of a football player he is. Uh, just looks like a really highly intelligent kid that again understands the game and loves the game, and uh, I think everybody said would tell you like, hey, uh, that's something that always bothered me when Brant was here previously. Everybody said, oh, the defense is too complicated, and then he goes to Clemson and it's suddenly not complicated. Like, no, you know, it's it's it, it, you know, it's guys like that. It's recruiting and IDing, and, and this this staff has done an amazing job, I think, of IDing character. Uh, and a mentality that the previous staff, they did a really good job of IDing, I think, physical traits or things they liked. But I think they, you know, there's a lot of examples of where it probably stopped at that. And I just think and he's, think it, he, I'm sorry, just real quick, Matt, I'll just let you go, like you can follow up, uh, is that Hardy's done great in seven-on-seven seven tournaments. He's always the guy making the big pass breakup. The big interception for his he's a team. leader. He's a leader, and even he's, on that, you know, and he's and he's going and, and the, I mean, and seven on seven in Texas has to be just a buzzsaw. All the all the quarter quarterback and wide receiver talent, and then you've got like imports coming in, teams importing guys. In the I mean, that's seven on seven. You know, comp the comps that that are, that are occurring in the in the Texas area this spring are are just loaded with players. Yeah, and I was just going to point out real quick that uh, Hardy does come from an NFL yeah, he does. You're right. bloodline. His dad uh, was a linebacker at Tennessee and played in the NFL for a few seasons. So he's got a little bit of that in his blood and in his upbringing, which, you know, you can't discount that. Like, so you know, other, other schools do lose legacies, guys. Not just true. OU. <laughs> not just OU. Tennessee, who just had a fantastic season on the field, just lost a legacy player to Oklahoma, right? So, yeah, top 150 guy. Yeah, so it's not just Oklahoma that loses these people, all right? So, all right. So, that kind of wraps up the commit talk. Um, we're going to unfortunately talk about the portal yet again. Um, it, it's out there. We're still looking for an offensive lineman, possibly even two. Uh, we had a few guys on campus recently. Caleb, what what are your thoughts on these guys, especially Josh Simmons, uh, offensive? I think we think he's going to be an offensive tackle, right? Yeah, I think he can play both. I can remember, you know, uh, on a different board, uh, I got absolutely banging the drum for the guy to the point that I was hoping it would just, you know, uh, I know different coaches will check the, those boards. I was hoping they would look at it and be like, okay, maybe we'll I, kick the I, I remember more. you always had like one guy a year and it was like, this was, and I was like, it, you and I were both on the running back that ended up at Oregon. I don't know where he is now. Yeah, he and transferred this, out, yeah. And he transferred out and then this guy, right? Yep. Yep. And this guy, and it was, you know, uh, I, I can remember a story from that. He was big kid, uh, played there in San Diego area. He was around like 340 pounds as, as a junior just decided, Hey, play defensive tackle, right. It was going to be this big, you know, your, your, you know, next Alabama defensive tackle and someone really smart in his life pulled him aside and said, son, you 
you need to be an offensive tackle. And he just said, okay. And, and dropped like 40 pounds, you know, got in great shape and said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to work on moving my feet as opposed to, you know, squatting 800 pounds and uh, became a really good uh, offensive tackle. And the biggest reason I wanted Oklahoma to sign him then honestly is the exact reason they're trying to sign him now. When you look at the numbers in the room, you need a guy that can come in for additional depth and play tackle and guard, but can, you know, can, and you look at it right now. I mean, obviously you've got uh, Sexton, but he's coming off of an ACL. You hope he can really play and play at a decent level this year. Uh, but outside of that, you know, you just don't have very much tackle depth at all. Uh, and they need that and they need competitive depth. Uh, heaven forbid, you know, somebody roll an ankle in the midst of what a schedule that looks like it should set up for Oklahoma to win 10 or 11 games. Uh, I wouldn't say unchallenged because that's, that's not, you know, you're challenged every game in, in today's game, but uh, it, you know, it's just set up for them to be really successful. You, know, you hate for them to go in at thin at a vital position. So yeah, I, I, Simmons, I wouldn't sit here and pretend and tell you, I've watched some of the San Diego state games would not try to sit here and pretend to tell you he's Walter Rouse, right? And just this refined guy that's, you know, potential high second round, mid second round draft pick that's going to come in and start. I don't think that. I think by and large, he's really exactly what they need. He's a six foot six, 305 pound, like really proficient guy in both the run and 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 as a pass blocker that you could bring in and stick behind uh, Tyler Guyton at right tackle and say, okay, we, you know, we're going to work you here. You're going to get reps. You're going to, you and Tyler are going to compete for this. And I think everybody probably expects uh, to, with all the buzz around Tyler, that there's a good chance he has a great year and is gone, you know? And, and so then you've got him competing for a starting spot the next year. And I think it's similar with, with Everett inside. You know, Oklahoma, if you watch the spring game, you know they need additional guys inside. He was a freshman All-American at Troy, uh, not Troy, App State. App State, App State. App State. And, you know, you watch the North Carolina game, and then you watch the Texas A&M game. I mean, particularly against Texas A&M, he was fantastic. Played against super talented guys. Uh, he can, he know he can more than hold his own and is just a really good player. Uh, he, he would come in, he would – I think immediately he would compete with with Andrew Rame, and he gives you the opportunity to say, "What is our five best?" You know, if if he is one of your five best, and you can plug him in at center, and you can move Rame to guard, great. If not, and he's a backup, we all know Andrew Rame has been injured pretty significantly the last two seasons, and Robert Congle had to come in and play. So you know, you've got probably you know how uh, what I saw on tape an upgrade over over Congle is going to be you know that that next man up if. For an insurance policy on rain and again i mean back to the spring game you know i know we've done podcasts on it we talked about it you know um nate edison struggled at center aaron park struggled at tackle is it does it really get you know um i know we think rouse and Sexton are coming back but simmons in that mix seems a lot healthier and uh, troy everett gave, would give you some combinations inside that you know would help so i think you, you've hit that hit that right on right on target. Um, what do you, what do you think of, um, FSU defensive tackle, Josh Farmer? So I watched, uh, a number of things on him. I, I looked like he started some games, but he was, they Florida state rotated a lot at defensive tackle. I mean, you look at him on the hoof. I, he is 
by and large, exactly what Todd Bates wants. You know, he's 6'3", he's 304, but it's a long-limbed, athletic, lean-looking, 304 pounds. Uh, he can move, get up the field. Uh, if Florida State, less than I thought they would, and it's probably because maybe I'm still stuck in thinking it was Bobby Bowden's old Florida State where it was just five stars across the defensive front seven. They pinned their ears back and just tried to murder people. Uh, you, you know, there's some times where he would struggle with double teams, uh, struggle a little bit here to get off blocks. Uh, but again, he's also a redshirt freshman and on the backside of that, you know, struggling, uh, at times with those things, he also flashed that athleticism, you know, the ability to zone away from him, just get down the line, uh, backdoor that and make a play. I think that if, you know, if Oklahoma could get him in, I think he absolutely comes in and he's competing for that fourth spot. You know, it sounds like uh, – I mean, he, and he may be competing for a third spot. I, I think that, you know, Co and Lulu, uh, Jonah Laulu are, are probably your, you know, your three in your, in your nose. Uh, and, and then you've got uh, Kelly and – I think that kid would be right in there competing with anybody else for that role. So he could, you know, be contribute and he's, and he's young, which someone pointed this out. I think Oklahoma has 10 defensive uh, tackles on the roster right now. And it was six of them are registered juniors or older. And then I think, you know, would allow give or older, give a, give a, give a little breathing space for Sanders and strong um, to redshirt if they needed to. Yeah. And, you know, Oklahoma may not, there might be someone else that pops, you know, they may say, Hey, we don't really have room for both for, you know, we want to take two offensive linemen because you do have the, uh, you know, the Notre Dame transfer in, uh, you know, you've Lacey. got, you know, got Jacob Lacey, who I think he just needs more time with Schmitty and he needs a bigger off season uh, to get just a little bit stronger, more powerful. And you've got Gilliam coming off the shoulder uh, and to your point, and I'll, you know, I don't think I ever said he wasn't going to be, but I felt like I believed it in my mind that Sanders, he was no way he'd be able to compete as a freshman. I just wouldn't be at this point watching him. I wouldn't be shocked if Ashton Sanders is pushing for time uh, as a freshman. And we I know think, he's a hard worker. I was fixing to say, I, I think the longer we go on the track, it's, uh, you know, it's like compounding interest over time. Right. It's like he's putting a little bit more in the bank each day. So, you know, over this next five months, you're going to, he may, we may emerge and it's like, hey, this guy's a little bit richer than the other folks. Uh, so, uh, I'm, Sanders looked, he looked good. I think just up and to the right for him. Yeah. I don't think, and of course, I know you is four over right now. We're four over the 85 cap. So, if we, if we grab the O line that, that actually we're three over with Jamari and Burt in the transfer portal. So use three over the, the cap right now. So um, if you if you add two more, or you, I mean, everyone says, well, just keep adding these guys. I'm like, guys, the 85 cap's not going anywhere. Um, right. And the portals, the portals, portal isn't, there's a whole bunch of guys that aren't in the portal yet. So um, it's it's going to be interesting to see how all that shakes out because the the 12 freshmen are, are, are on their way to enroll. So yeah. Um, you can't, you just can't take everybody. There are limits. Yeah. Well, we'll have to see how that shakes out over the next uh, month or so. All, uh, I'd say probably six weeks. I think that mid June period is the enrollment period, but 
Chris, does the portal close at some point or is that just for people entering the portal? Do we even I know? Think, I think the based upon the information I that I've read and everyone's been assuming on is the portal closes Sunday. And in order to be Sunday, and in order to be thinking, okay. in order to be eligible to be eligible this fall, you have to get into it. Then you can figure out where you're going. Then you've got all of May and even June or July or even August, right? In, yeah. in theory, to figure out where you're going, you could enroll as late as the whatever the full semester drop ads are for the school you're looking at. But you've got to get in the portal by by April, by the end of April, to be eligible this fall. So, why was I thinking it was May fifth? I do not know why. They, they may have. I mean, they may extend it. They, you know, they. It's it's a very arbitrary sort of. You know, they could say, "Hey, we need to extend it out a little bit." because there are too many Colorado players in the portal or something like that, <laughs> um, or, or Colorado needs more players in. I don't know. Um, You're right. It, it closes April 30th. You know, you know, Ralphie's in the portal and he doesn't know where he's going. So uh, everybody from Colorado is in the portal. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, I don't, I don't know, but that's, that's, I understood it. It was like the 15th through the 30th, get your ass in or you are not eligible this fall. That's right. You are correct. Well, so I, I, so that's that's going to be really tough. But again, that 85 cap is looming. And Brent, you know, might have to take some scholarships from some walk-ons to make it. And I know that's the last thing in the world he wants to do. Guys that have are grind, grinded out and earned it while he still has some guys that are... He, he, yeah, I, I, don't I, know if, I don't know if we're looking at... I, we may see across, across college football some some actual scholarship cancellations like... I walked into my coach's office and he told me, you know, you've got this summer to, to get yourself out of school or do whatever. Cause if you're, if you're a grad transfer, the, I don't think the, I don't think the, 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 the window matters. Yeah. I think you're right about that, but no, I, I, I matter, that doesn't matter. So you could be, you could be in the portal later, as long as you're a grad transfer, they're not going to, they don't want to put any limits around that. So maybe we'll see some action with some OU players there who just need the summer to, to get to, to be finished their degrees. And then they'll hop in the portal in August and just try and find a quick home then, or they'll decide if they still want to play football, but it's, we're going to see some ugliness in college football that we haven't seen in a very long time in terms of kids being told, you, you know, part of my French, you need to pack up your shit and go. Yeah. I, I mentioned this last week and there was that question in the Thursday before the spring game. Or maybe it was a Friday. I think it was a Thursday media session. Someone asked Brent and they referenced and alluded to the reality that had just come out that day or the day before that Dabo has said the, said the same thing. Well, he's taken a, like a hand, like five or six kids. He's essentially would, had given them scholarships previously as walk-ons and he walked in and said, Hey, you're not going to have a scholarship in the fall, basically. Uh, and they asked Brent about that. And he didn't say, no, no, we would never do that. He said, we've talked to these kids, you know, there's certain, the answer he gave made it sound like that's the very thing. And like tinfoil hat, I would say probably one of those things where, Hey, you know, insert kid that we just gave a scholarship to in the fall, right. As a walk on, we're going to come back to you. You know, strength in Oklahoma has got an NIL deal for you, luckily, uh, but we need that scholarship back. <laughs> and we're going to go give it to, uh, you know, this Troy Everett out of App State so he can come in and play. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, 
and that might that might be what happens. Uh, it Funny. is, and it would be ugly, right? Because those scholarship walk-on videos are all over college football, right? Yeah, yeah they, they pull out, they pull out the, and then all of a sudden, like six months later, Brent's like, or Dabo, or it's college football's version of the the Army Ranger father coming home and dressing as the mascot at the basketball game to surprise their kid, you know? Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. Or the, or the, or the dog, the dog's waiting for the guy at the airport, you know, yeah. those, those, you know, kind of videos. So it's just, but you know, you know, you know, that heartwarming video we had. Yeah. That's, this isn't that heartwarming video. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm, no. I'm, I'm going to have to pull it back from you. So, but yeah, Matt, I think it's, we, we've got some weird two months. We got some weird six weeks coming up. Well, it'll be fun to follow. I'm sure we'll we'll have to keep talking about the, it every the, the week. The portal, uh, Jason's back, and he he may be macheteing walk-ons across the country. It might be a walk-on machete massacre uh, due hey, to the portal. The, the good portal giveth, and the good portal taketh away. It certainly does. Well, so beware, of, beware of guys. If you were a walk-on in the country, beware of a tall guy with a hockey mask. Run. <laughs> the NHL well, the, playoffs are ending soon. Are, are, are in process, but that guy is coming for you. Run. Don't 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 make out with your girlfriend in a basement. Don't go check on the breaker in the house. The portal portal. Jason is waiting for you. Walk-ons of America. Please be careful. Well, I guess there at least there's a NIL going on out there to to save some of these portal victims, but you never know how that's going to shake out. Another thing we don't really quite know how it's going to shake out is the wide receiver, I mean sorry, the running back recruiting for OU this year, class of 2024. We think there's two running back spots. We're going to bring back the position board battle between Caleb and Chris. Uh, we've got the draft going on right now, so we've got our version of Kuiper versus Daniel Jeremiah here. Uh, Chris is going to rank, uh, I think we've got eight guys uh, that we think OU has a chance of getting. He's going to rank them by signability and interest with a little bit of talent mixed in. And then Caleb's going to rank his guys based on fit in the offense and their pure talent. So Chris, we'll go ahead and get started with you with your list of running backs for the 2024 class. I'm going to start with Kanan Durham. I'm going to ignore Wilt Fong's LSU prediction. Speed, 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 great running back, 2000 yards. He's, he's, he's somewhere. Finally, one of the services wised up and ranked him in the top 100. So that's Kanan Durham. Then the mystery guy who's been the mystery guy all spring, Taylor Tatum, has now scheduled an official visit for OU, and OU's firmly in his top lists. Mr. Tatum is a bad man at running back. If I thought that he was down to a top three, I might have him number one. But he's like top 50 in the country, battling for the top running back in the country spot. Love Mr. Tatum from Longview, home of Malcolm Kelly and Trent Williams. Um, then Xavier Robinson, I had only at number three, cause I thought he was going to make an announcement for OU in the next week. And, and now he's pulled his announcement and no one quite knows what's going on. So does OU want a big back? If they do, it's Xavier Robinson. I don't know quite how he fits in the offense, but he's very interested in OU. And I, I thought he was getting ready to verbal the Sooners. So I, I don't know what to make of his delay. And then we've got Tovani Mazzeo. The talented running back, Crystal Ball to OU, who's now back in Florida. 
Haven't heard a lot from him lately. And then Nathan Frazier, the top 100, maybe the number one running back in the country from Mater Day. Pretty sure no you officials going to get booked. Haven't heard much lately. And then the mystery guy for this running back battle is Stacy Gage. I, I can't figure out head nor tails what his level of interest is in OU still. It's just, it's kind of bizarre. And I only have James people last because he is verbal to Ohio state. So kicking it over to you, Caleb. There's some similarities here. Uh, so top guy on my board. I think I mentioned this uh, early in the year when we, we talked about running backs for me, one, two, uh, and it's kind of a one, a one B, but it, it's Taylor Tatum, then James peoples uh, with Tatum. Um, he's listed at six foot two or five. I don't know if he's six foot, maybe he's five eleven, but I mean, everything you want to see on film is there. There's some violent stuff of him just absolutely running through uh, some linebackers and defensive backs. He can really do it all. He can catch, he can run, he runs through people, he'll run by people. Uh, I think he's got a ton of upside from a physical development standpoint. I think he's going to be He's a lean looking 200, 205 pounds. You know, he'll, he'll, he'll probably be a 215 uh, to 220, somewhere in that range. And he'll just be better for it. You know, he'll probably be stronger and more explosive just for that little bit of, you know, a little bit of added weight. James Peebles is really similar. He's listed, I think, at 195. I, he, looking at his lower half, I think he'll be quite a bit bigger. He reminded me of J.K. Dobbins in, in that regard, just from a physical standpoint, when you looked at Dobbins coming out of LaGrange before he signed at Ohio State. You can see, I think he was listed at maybe 190 pounds or 180 pounds, somewhere there. But you can see, hey, just body type, he's going to put on a lot of lean mass. And he did. I think he left Ohio State at 215, 220. Uh, but people's he's really similar in that regard. Uh, I think Tatum has a little bit more flash to his game. People's is, you know, he's like that great boxer that is just fantastic at the basics, right? His footwork, his, his distance, his spacing his and his jab. Uh, it, he just, he runs through trash uh, really effortlessly. Uh, you know, that's the thing that probably sticks out the most about him is his balance, ability to run through trash and, uh, you know, just makes everything look really easy. I think it's always a sign of a really good back is, you know, how, how they do that. Next for me was Nathan Frazier. And I'll be honest with you, I can understand how anybody would have Frazier as the top back in the country. I, I, I wouldn't sit there and argue that they're wrong. Uh, looking at him on the hoof, from some visits he did this spring, he's listed at six foot and like 200, 205 pounds. I didn't think that was accurate watching his film, but then looking at him, like at his Georgia visit, it's, and he, I, I guarantee he was in the Georgia weight room doing curls before he took pictures in the uniform because <laughs> he is, he's all swole out in that. He's so explosive on film. And he is, he yeah. is. He's similar. I think you look at his times, he's running like 10, four. You know, where Durham's running like 10, 10, three or 10, four. I mean, he's Frazier's 10, four, 10, five. Like he's right there. The only thing for me, and it was similar, like when I get with like Caden Durham, you know, uh, both of these guys is I, you don't, because they're so fast and they play on such good high school teams, you don't get to see a lot of the stuff like you do with James People and Tatum. You don't see them running through trash and you don't get to get an idea of how good their balance is in those regards because it's like they break the line and it's just touchdown and just run by everybody. 
and outrun all the angles. I, so I always wonder with guys like that, I can remember watching uh, Darren McFadden. And I used to hate the McFadden is going to be better than Peterson things because, you know, you could watch a friend of mine was a strength coach at Arkansas at that time and, and went to a couple practices and he, it was, he had the same problem in the NFL on contact. He would go dead leg, which is the majority of the time he in college, particularly and in high school all the time, he just outran everybody because he was same thing. He was six, two, two, 10 and, and, you know, and, and ran 10, four, uh, so you always like to be able to try to see on tape them the physical ability, the balance. Uh, make and, make the make make three yards when there's no yards there at all, right? That kind of yeah. Thing. And you know, it's one of those things. I always thought like that's why Emmett Smith's one of the top three backs for me. Always like it was his vision, but more than anything, I thought it was his balance. You know, his ability to whether it was a, a glancing shot or a direct shot. If you didn't wrap and really bring him down, he bounced off and kept going. You know, and it just it was like a pinball in that regard. It was, uh, you know, so it's always something. So yeah, for me it was it's Durham and then Frazier, and they're both, you know, they're similar in that in that in that space. And then you know, following Caden Durham and, and Nate Frazier was is Tavani Mizell. Uh, I really like Mizell uh, on the hoof. He looks great on the hoof. He reminds me of James Peoples, and he is really fast. I think he'll grow into you know. Neighborhood of 215, 220. The only thing is, you know, the, the tape's pretty limited in that regard. I think he only ran for six or 700 yards as a junior. Uh, it just didn't have, there's not as much there to go off of. But, you know, the physical tools look like they're there. You know, six foot, 200 pounds will add, again, you know, good amount of weight and just be better for it and probably play plus 215. Uh, and he's got the ability to take it to the house. He can run with, he can run with, uh, power. And you do see on his film, you, you definitely do see, uh, some of that ability to run through trash and, and break tackles and, and break arm tackles and then not impact them. Uh, and the next one up for me, and I'm, I'm almost surprised I have him here. Uh, and I'll kind of go wide, but with Stacy Gage, uh, so the last two are Stacy Gage and Xavier Robinson and, and it's hard for me to have Gage there because the only bit of film you're able to find, I was able to find on him from a junior is, is some stuff on YouTube. Uh, looking at his stats, he split carries uh, with another back there at, in at high school in Tampa, ran for, I think it was somewhere between 650, 700 yards, uh, but a really good, uh, you know, per down average. But, you know, he's, what you do see him, he is a fast, he's explosive kid. Uh, He's, he's a little squattier, uh, you know, so again, he shows some power. He does have the ability to, to run through trash. I didn't see in his junior film, didn't see um, in what little bit there was, didn't see anywhere near the home run ability that you get with, you know, whether it's Tatum or Peoples or Durham or Frazier, you, you didn't see that. But, you know, just a, an all-around really good back. And, and for me, the, the, re, the, only, the only reason I've got Xavier Robinson on the back end of it, I think he's a fantastic back. I just look at that picture of him with DeMarco in the spring. He is absolutely huge. You think I mean, he's, he's like – there's a story that he's up to 250. I believe it. Looking at his legs, uh, you know, I mean, just like that, almost, you know, and we will, right? Let's probably have it on the site. There's a picture of him in the uniform. He's got the pants on, no pads in the pants. Uh, and most of these kids now wear the compression pads underneath it that have like the padded sleeve, and then they put their pads in. I mean, he looks, and I didn't talk about this last time. If you told me it was Henry Milton or Lamar Houston and he ended up at defensive tackle, I'd say probably. He is 
he's he's huge. I mean, he looks. There's no way he's 225 in my mind. You know, just looking at him. Uh, he, he is such a big kid. I just cannot imagine how he plays, you know, and I think Damien talked on this on our pod earlier this week. Right. And, and, and I did a little bit earlier when we talked about offensive tackles, but to name in the game to these days, it's becoming more basketball and grass than ever. It's all about speed and quickness. You know, even tonight, you see these backs going. I don't know what Bijan weighed, but, you know, Jabari Gibbs went in the top 15. He, he checked into the combine at 199 pounds. You know, the, the days of 230, 240-pound running backs, they just they seem to be going away. And it's more, you know, are you 200, are you 210, 215, somewhere in that range. And maybe you get some some freaky guys that are that are different. But, you know, Derrick Henry's are really different. Uh, and, and I don't think Xavier is, is, is quite to that. <laughs> that guy looks like he was drawn up in a video game. We're going to continue this little ESPN's Kuiper versus NFL Network Daniel Jeremiah just to kind of close out this pod. Uh, we are recording during the draft. Uh, we're kind of following along here a little bit. Slightly, um, distra- slightly distracted, but still, <laughs> still, points, still potting. <laughs> still potting. Um, so let's see. We're on pick 23 now as we're recording uh quentin johnson of tcu big 12 just went to the chargers um just real quick guys you know as we're wrapping this up uh we'll just kind of do a worst pick so far best pick so far based on your opinion uh caleb we'll go ahead and start with you i have a feeling i know who your best pick is going to be and let's see if if i'm correct Uh, give me give me two seconds here let me pull up the draft tracker so I can see. <laughs> Caleb hasn't cool. been quite as distracted as me and Chris, apparently. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm no. Yeah. You want me to go? You want me to go ahead and go? While Caleb's get, yeah, get, go get ahead and go. Time. Yeah. All right. So the best pick is the Atlanta Falcons taking Bijan Robinson. It's too high for a running back, but Atlanta is firmly in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes for next year. So Bijan can get some carries, run the ball. They got Drake London at wide receiver. They got Pitts at tight end. Now they got a running back. All they need to do is somehow tank to get Caleb Williams, and they're well on their way. Worst pick right now has to be Anthony Richardson, the Colts. I don't trust that guy. 12 starts. I just don't trust him. Uh, It's... It, I, I, I'm just, I just watched Kentucky make him look like a terrible quarterback. That's not a great Kentucky team this year. Uh, so it's, it's like, it's, they say he's a, he's played 12 games. He really has like three good games. That's it out of the, out of the games he started. So I just don't see how you can throw all that money in him. So there you go. Well, Caleb, did you have a chance to maybe find yeah. who I was maybe talking about for you? Well, I'm interested. Actually, I'm, I'm- so, actually, I want to hear who you think mine would be. Well, you've talked about him before, I think, okay. on this pod. And if you haven't, you have definitely talked about him on the board before. Does that narrow it down? As far as a quarterback? Uh, it's not a quarterback. And you've actually comped him uh, to a defensive tackle that is currently on OU's roster. Oh. So, in terms of picks that I like? Yes. Yeah, no, I do. I do like Kalijah Kansi, uh, the, yep. the pick that went to uh, that kid out of Pitt that went to uh, the Tampa Bay, and I mean, 
I kind of go back, I guess a broken record uh, in this, this one on just, again, it's like the, the quickness and the speed, the game's not really, uh, you know, too tight end full back with six inch splits is going to pound on you. It's just, it's just not become that. Uh, and that guy, and you watch like his film, uh, he is, he was only six, one, like 281 pounds, but just super explosive inside amazing hand use uh i mean able to get skinny and boys it's just the reality of you know if you really want to be able to impact the quarterback you impact them like up the middle it's, it's one it's the quickest way but two that's how you you know really you get somebody off his spot he can't step into his throws and uh you know even you know i'm sure he'll probably have some issues here and there in run game stuff but you watch him and he plays with great leverage and good pad you know in in hands and great pad level so i think he'll be fine there i do i really i like that pick I, I, you know what i like most about it probably is just how bold they are to go up and do it and to know like we love this guy and uh we're gonna go take him so yeah i, I really do like that pick i mean Maybe it'd have been great if there was somebody out there for them to go get offensively for Baker, but I think they're fairly loaded, aren't they? Offensively, they've drafted tackles the last few years and they've got really good receivers. So maybe they don't really need to do that. Yeah. And, you know, they need a running back, but you don't need to take him that early, especially as early as uh, who I think might be the biggest reach so far. Uh, Jameer Gibbs from Alabama. He's, he's a great running back, pure talent, but 12 overall to. Uh, a, a Lions team that scored a lot of points last year. They have DeAndre Swift, I believe. I mean, they didn't move on from him yet, right? Um, I know Jamison Williams left, but, you know. Well, he didn't leave on his own accord. That's true. Um, but 12 overall, I mean, that's <laughs> that's a little high for Jameer they, Gibbs. They could, have, they could have traded down and got him at like 20 or 22 or or even 28 and got some draft capital. The Bears, yeah. Bears did I, that and picked up a fourth rounder and – Worked out perfectly for him. Yeah, that, yeah, I, that, that pick makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. So did I steal your worst pick, uh, Caleb? No, I'll, I'll, I'll go out like on a really – I'll go out on a limb for my worst pick. It would – I would probably – I mean, Gibbs is – and I really like Gibbs as a player. I just don't like that pick. Like I joked in, uh, you know, on the board, it was like it's like, you know, the, the Lions can stop – you know, bad mouthing Matt Millen. Maybe it wasn't Matt Millen making those picks, and it was you know someone in the Ford family. Uh, maybe they stopped being innovative after Henry the First passed, and it's just been you know family riding the coattails ever since. Uh, because that that's such a bad pick. Uh, mine would probably be Anthony Richardson, but Chris took it, so I'll go. This is a limb on in on this one a little bit, but I'll say C.J. Stroud. And, you know, I, I joked about this when we were chatting, uh, you know, the other day post one of the pods. And I just I go back to and it's not just, you know, when they asked him about his poor test, you know, cognitive test when he said, uh, you know, something along the lines like I ain't no test taker. I ain't got to prove nothing to nobody. And it was like, gosh, like, you know, all those negatives in there just didn't sound great. Uh and it reminded me of, you know, again, when Jimmy Johnson was made that joke on his football life where he, you know, said the first time I draft a dumb guy hit me in the head with the hammer, like just not going to do it. Um, so for me, the thing with CJ Stroud, and we talked about this, I think somewhere else too, like yeah, for me. I had a lot of talent around him. 
that's the thing. Like every Ohio State quarterback that's been coming out of playing under day has been a bust. And they've been playing with just three, four, five, six, you know, NFL first round wide receivers in an offense that's just built around just throwing the ball to, I mean, that their version of the spread is really, it's like find the fish. It's like we've got three or four first round receivers. We're going to match one of them up on your third or fourth DB. And that's what made Jackson Smith and Jigba all this money is he had like 400 yards receiving against Utah in that Rose Bowl because that's what it was. They put him in the slot and they just figured out what Utah was doing from a coverage perspective and they kept moving him around and just to, to pick on different matchups. And so, I mean, I just look at that and I think, is he really any better than the guy they've got there right now? You know, the kid they they took out of uh, out of Stanford, you know, in like the third or fourth round two years ago. He's not like a dynamic guy. I know he had the one good bowl game against uh, Oregon, Oregon against Georgia, where he ran around a lot and he showed that. Man, though, like you've started that many games and it's the only time you've ever done it. He never did it against Michigan and he lost what the last two, I mean, by beatdowns. Uh, he wasn't playing. Wasn't playing safety linebacker in that game, though. But all right, I'm with you. But I mean, in both of those, they they just got you know smoked in the second half. Like they couldn't score, right? Like they weren't they weren't scoring. You know, uh, it was and yeah, I I know that uh, Hutchinson was getting after him, but you know, you've got obviously a, a, the number six pick was your left tackle, you know, and you've got all this amazing talent around you. And Jackson uh, went 20. Yeah, I, I just I, I struggle. I struggle to see him as anything close to a difference maker. Uh, and, and they and they took him at three. So and, and, and maybe I'm wrong at two. But at two. OK, yeah, yeah, they did take him at two. I mean, and then they traded all that capital for Will Anderson. And it's almost like, you know, we were all kind of talking about it. it's like, why wouldn't you just take Anderson at two? And either wait a little bit on Stroud or wait till next year on a much better quarterback class. Yeah. And and that's the other thing for me, like with this with the Stroud pick is, and we've joked about this. I every time I watch the NFL, I just think it's a bunch like out of the 32 franchises, maybe 30 of them have like really solid leadership and ownership. The other ones, it's just, you know. Hey, we're going to draft this guy. We're not going to give him a chance. We're going to change coordinators 10 times. I'm going to pull him. I'm not going to be committed to him. You know, after after one year of not doing great, we're going to get somebody else in here. Or he's going to do great for one year, then he's going to struggle for three or four games the next year. And we're going to immediately talk about needing to bench him. Like it's just, I mean, it's fucking terrible as it as it relates to them like just being bought in on what should be like their franchise. Like, okay, we're gonna be committed to you for three, four years, all in. You go do this. Uh, <laughs> you know, like Baker's a really good example of that. You know, I I know Baker's not been great in the NFL, but I, I think that he's also gone to some of the worst franchises. And this goes to David Tepper too. Like, yeah, you know, great finance. You are freaking terrible when it comes around the franchise. <laughs> I mean, like track record, like you're dog shit, you know? Uh, and yeah, I just, you know, you just kind of see it over and over. I, 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 I wouldn't be shocked if Bryce Young didn't fall same, you know, same fate, you know, going to a David Tepper own team. All right. I think, well, I think Caleb took out like five NFL franchises in that, <laughs> in that, in that rant and a couple of colleges and well done. 
they're also, I mean, you know what I mean though? It's like you, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's the, they're being run by they're not even being run by the people internally. The people internally have their ear so glued to the critics, they're being run by the critics. And it's like, I mean, why don't we just put up Twitter polls all the time and let them decide what we're going to do? If after, you know, two bad games, you're just going to get all, you know, well, Stephen A. Smith is really giving us a hard time on whatever retarded show he's on, you know, and like that's what it is it's they just listen to whatever the tv shows are on espn these days in the morning where everybody criticizes everybody because that's what they do and they just fall prey to like oh we're getting criticized in the media we've got to make a change well it's it's interesting the small wide there's been a run on small wide receivers right now so i'm not sure our good friend well not our good friend but you know i'd hoped anton harrison was going to slip in at the end of the first Based upon the teams left, I don't I don't think that's going to be the case unless the Chiefs the Chiefs were supposed to were targeting a wide receiver, I think. And I think all the first round wide receivers are now off the board. So I've I've seen in some mocks, I've seen Anton mock to Cincinnati. I don't know if that'll yeah. happen, but I've they seen they just yeah. signed Orlando Brown, right? So yeah. Yeah, but their other guy, um their other guy? Jonah Williams, is that right? The guy from Alabama. Oh, he yeah. doesn't want to move to right tackle, does he? No, he he wants out. So okay, and, and, but he's been injured quite a bit. So that's weird. He played right tackle at Alabama, and he's not been very good at left. That's weird that he's. It's probably yeah, it's more more money at left tackle for your next contract. Yeah, yeah, but if you're out of the NFL, it's more money at right tackle <laughs> than watching that's the games with me exactly. on Sunday. That's very yeah. true. But I think I think is it. With all the wide receivers gone, I think there's a chance maybe Anton might slip it at the end of this end of this round. I hope so. That, that there's a lot be of tackles. A lot of tackles have been gone. Right, Wright's gone. Yeah. Um, the Georgia guy's gone, and the Ohio State guy was way gone. So, and maybe um, you can get somebody move, like like an in, like Indianapolis or someone maybe would move into the first bottom to get like a guy like I don't know. I just really hope he goes in the first. Uh, one for him, but two, it would be Bill's, I think, first first round tackle. Yeah. At least at Oklahoma, which yeah, is crazy so. to think about. So, all right, guys, uh, good episode. Uh, we touched on a lot of things, a lot of names. Uh, so, head on over to Sooners360.com. Uh, we're tracking these names. There's a big visit weekend about six weeks away that we'll start uh, talking more heavily about just because these guys are lining up their officials already. Uh, So head on over to the board, check that out. And another reminder, subscribe to this podcast to not miss another episode. We are on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, et cetera, and soon to be on YouTube. So head on over to the board, hit subscribe, and we'll see you around the water cooler.